I was just saying. I don't care about your opinion. I just well, I'll tell you what I think. What's that you're saying? Would you just listen? I don't think so. Remember, ladies, one must not get one's knickers in a twist. I just... Please listen. Shh. I'm trying to help you. Listen. I don't think so. Excuse me. Well, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Listen. Shut up and listen. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shut Up and Listen. I'm still trying to figure out the fucking camera shit. I don't know where to look. You'll let me know. Um, I'm so, 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 so excited about today's guest. Um, She is somebody that I had the privilege of getting to meet via Twitter. And we went from becoming Twitter friends to in real life friends. Yes. Um, Kia Brown author of The Pretty One just came out August 6th one of the best books I've read thank you like really I I I was saying I I was saying to you before we before we got this going that you have such a clear distinct voice it's impossible not to hear you yeah thank you I received that good woohoo I do um and you know the way that you write about vulnerability, there's there's such a strength in that, and and your ability to have a reflection of self that is neither pitying, is 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 honest, and I'm trying to find the word. exalted humility if that makes sense Mm -hmm. where it's um i'm just specifically thinking of you writing about your relationship with your sister and your brother Mm -hmm. and and the intimacy of those reveals without using them in a emotionally manipulative way and i feel that there are some writers especially when they're writing about their personal lives can utilize their past experiences as a cloak of victimhood mm-hmm. yeah you know um and, and i i absorbed that when i was a teen but as i got older i was like wait a second there yeah. doesn't seem to be any self-reflection coming from these right. authors about their experience. Right. Like, what have they learned? How have they grown? And there's nothing but a fuck ton of, of learning and growth in this. And for me, I'm curious, like, what was that first moment for you of being willing to look at self in a, in a different way? Like you talk about your relationship with your sister, who's a twin. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> and and how the the jealousy and if I I don't want to misquote or misrepresent, so if I am in any way, shape, or form, just be like, hold up, nope. Okay. Um, but the the jealousy that you had of her simply based off the fact that she was able-bodied and you yes. were not yeah and 
and how did that transform? Like, what was the first moment? Uh, it was literally going away to college for me. Yeah. I was meeting all these wonderful women who were smart and funny and beautiful and kind of people that I wanted to be around. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks in a gender studies class. I was just like, all these things that I love in my friends, Leah has, and I didn't even think of her in terms of like all these great things because I was so stuck on my jealousy. And I was literally sitting in a gender studies class and I was like, Wow, Leah's amazing. Like, we were literally <laughs> talking about, um, I think it was like the suffragette movement. And yeah. I'm like, Leah's amazing. It was completely off topic. But I was just sitting there thinking about her. And I was like, all right, you need to do some atoning for your behavior. Wow. You need to figure out how to make it so that she never feels like you once made her feel again. Like, you need to be her biggest cheerleader in the way that she was always yours. Yeah. It was literally in a gender studies class that I was like, all right, I love my sister. I can't believe that I did all that before, but now it's time for me to show her how much I love her and be the sister she always deserved. And was there a, between that ton of bricks moments in your mm -hmm. gender studies class to then taking the action mm -hmm. to I, having a conversation, were there any moments of fear in terms of, oh no, am I not going to be received by her if I bring this to her and share this? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, because I didn't really start the full action until after I graduated college because yeah. that's when I was home full time. And I was like, it might be too late for us. You know, she might be like, yes, I, I'm grateful that you're apologetic, but it's too late. And I think she would have had every right to that. You know, she would have had every right to be like, no, I don't want to try for us to be closer. I don't want to try for us to dig deeper because yeah. you already did too much. Yeah. But thankfully, you know, she was receptive and yeah. she, you know, kind of pulled me back from my own deep guilt because she was like, it really wasn't as bad as you thought it yeah. was. Like she read the essay and we did a podcast together and she was like, okay, so this wasn't as bad as you, you know, thought it was. You weren't like the big green evil monster that you portrayed yourself to be. But I think it was just, she allowed me to have the space to feel like this is what I was doing to you and I'm so sorry. And I feel like now we're in such a better place, not only because of the work that, you know, I've been trying to do to apologize for those behaviors, but also because we're women now and we're grown. And so we've experienced more of the world apart. So we know what it's like and how beautiful it is to be together. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, there are very few people that I know that are willing to take actions such as that. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're willing to die on the hill of quote unquote being right. Yeah. And I mean, I I'm like that in terms of like cheesecake. <laughs> like that's that's where I'm at with like foods. But um, I felt like I couldn't be my best self yeah. if a person who is so much a part of who I am outside of me is not being given the love that she deserves, too. So it's like I had to love Leah first before yeah. I could fully love myself because she's such a part of me. I, I mean, it, it's... It, a, like, it, it gives me an incredible, incredible amount of hope because I, 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 
I'm just sitting here and I'm reflecting on my my own friendships with individuals and you know the things that we hear and whatnot and maybe one in 25 mm -hmm. are willing to have that moment of self-reflection and and it, it's something at least for me that I get so excited to talk about and mm -hmm. those moments because it's it's how I desire to live my life yeah you know which is honest and authentically you know in all of my dealings yeah um especially when it relates to emotional honesty you know um because I think that there's something interesting about um <clears throat> There's, I'm like, I'm going to talk about Madonna for a second, but it's literally <laughs> just a line in a song. Um, she, and her new album, that top song, I can't, it starts with an M, and I don't want to butcher the name of it, but she has this line where she said, sipping my pain just like champagne. Mm -hmm. And I feel that, like, as a, as a society and as a culture, we've we've really kind of gotten drunk on our own pain, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. um, in order to not take any kind of responsibility for our lives, right. you know, um, because again, pain is, what is your definition of pain? For me, it depends. Physical pain is, <clears throat> actual physical pain it's throbbing you know hands and feet and lower backs and, yeah but emotional pain is sort of an ache that you can't really get rid of and it's always there and you're always aware of it but you have to like move through life with that ache and knowing that just because you have it doesn't excuse you from the way that you treat others so I feel like sometimes we can be the toxic people in other people's lives and we focus so much on getting rid of the toxic people in our lives but we can be that for other people yes and in order for us to grow we have to atone for that actual reality yes 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 yes, right. yes. and it's I mean and I'm curious about, you had written um, about your relationship with God, mm -hmm. which I loved. Thank you. Like, I loved, 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 loved. And, you know, I, I identified in the sense of my own um, wrestling in moments that I've had. Right. And... Um, <clears throat> what were for you those pinpoints of growth I know that you had, you had written about 2014 and 2016 were two big yeah, two moments big for you yeah um and how is that where has that brought you to to today yeah like right now in this moment Tuesday mm -hmm. like it's Tuesday it's not Monday it's Tuesday yeah. I mean you, either way it feels like a very Monday Tuesday so it's fine um <laughs> I think even before I liked myself, which was in 2014, I just got so angry because I was tired of being told that something was wrong with me and that I was broken and, and I had to do something for God to heal me. We see so often that people 
especially with in the Christian faith, yeah. they want so badly to say, if you're not cis, able-bodied white men, there's something that you did wrong, and you need to, and you need to atone for that so that you can be fixed. And for me, it was like I didn't even have to like myself to be angry about the fact that there are so many narratives within that that tells people, oh, this person was um, blind and now they can see and God healed them. Or this person was in a wheelchair and now they can walk and God healed them. And it it bothers me more because I think it's less about God himself and more about the way that people approach telling, you know, the things that happen in his teachings is that if you're disabled in any way or if you're in the LGBTQ community, yeah. there's this idea that you're not good enough because you're doing something wrong when really all we're doing is just living our lives. And, and being. Yeah, and being. And people are like, y- you need to keep working at it so that you can be fixed or so that you can be changed. And it's yeah. like, if I wasn't supposed to be this way, yeah. God wouldn't have made me this way. Yes. And that's that full stop. I don't need to be healed. I don't need holy water to be poured on me and some preacher to say, wow, look, now she can walk straighter. Wow, look, now she's healed. And that's the grace of God. And we talk so much about miracles. But it's like, this is a miracle. I'm a miracle in this body every single day. Yeah. And I just wish that the the faith would listen to that and understand that there are those of us who believe in God, who are disabled, who are also in the LGBTQ community. And it's not that we're being selective about the God that we believe in. It's just that we understand that no one person is free of sin. No one person is perfect. And no one person is better than the other just because they're not either of those two things. And and I can only speak of my experience you know, I I grew up Roman Catholic, and I grew up with a very fear-based representation of that old white male Republican in the sky with a beard. Yep. <laughs> and here are the 10,001 requirements that you need to meet yeah. before you're able to gain access to said unconditional love. Yeah. Like, c- condition to equal unconditional um, and it took me quite a few years of of wrestling with what I had been taught mm-hmm. and clearing away that spiritual rubble Same. in order to get to that spiritual knowing. Right. And you talk, I, I, I want to find it specifically because I thought it was such a, a great line um, when you were, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Hold on. I'm so sorry. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> you're good. I promise. <laughs> um, because you talk about like a, a specific moment where you, and again, I don't want to misquote, but the that you had heard, like you're fine, in the in the sense of like no physical healing needs to happen yeah yeah and what was that moment for you I mean I cried because it was like I had spent my whole life before that moment yeah trying desperately to fix myself so that God would see me 
and think, hey, you know, it's time I heal her. She learns some lesson. Yeah. But the moment that I felt like I heard him say, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything that you are is exactly how I made you in my image. Yeah. I was just like, wow, now I can really be free to be everything that I am and do all the things that I want to do. And I was just so excited because I had spent so long being like, you're not good enough. Yeah. God is still angry with you. You have to fix yourself. Something is wrong. Do this, do that. Try anything you can to be quote unquote better. But the moment that I felt like he freed me from that, he was just like, girl, I've been waiting all your life to tell you and for you to listen to me when I say there's nothing wrong yeah. with you. And now I feel like I'm able to do what I want and, you know, live in the purpose that he created for me simply because I'm not so bogged down by the idea that there's something wrong with me that needs to be fixed. And and so were you in a car? Were you like in your bedroom like what was like what was that moment so I was in my bedroom in the dark uh -huh. like I was laying down I um, mean I was just like God listen I don't know what I did I just I was like I'm so sorry but if you could just you know fix me because I was like I know that I'm broken if you could just fix me and make me better and make me whole that would mean the world to me and I was like I'm so sorry I'll I'll, I'll be better and it was like the middle of the night and that's when i that's when i heard it and he was just like yeah. there, there's nothing wrong with you and i was like what like i was just like there's nothing wrong with you it was a revelation really because i had spent so long being like you're not enough yes and you're never going to be enough yes and no one's ever going to love you yes and not only that but like god's not going to love you yes so you're going to get to heaven and he's going to be like no girl nah. you can't come in because <laughs> because you limped up the walkway like i just really believed for so long that nothing about me was worthy and in that moment mm. i was just like well you know if he's good then I'm good. Yeah. Because nobody else's outside opinions should matter to me no more because his is the one that I'm, you know, seeking. And it was just in that moment, I, I don't know, I felt brand new. And I think that was really, truly what has allowed me to get here today is like, I love myself. Yeah. But I also feel like now I have permission to because mm. before I never gave myself permission yes. to. And now I'm like, I give myself permission every single day. Like before I came here today, I said four things that I liked about myself in the mirror. I said today, we love your lips. We love your nose. We love your hair. And we love your outfit. And I just, I left the mirror and went that. But it's just, I think to know that there's nothing wrong with being disabled and to, to know that as I am, I'm enough. You know, and that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I th at least for me, because it's, it's allowed me to finally accept all that I am and be able to prosper because of it. Yeah, it's it, and I'm curious about. I mean, here's the deal. At the end of the day, the only thing that I know is that I know nothing. Mm -hmm. I know absolutely <laughs> nothing, um, <clears throat> except my experience of that the truth always feels good yeah there is a there is an there is a fee, an energetic feel when it comes to knowing the the truth of the experience of love mm -hmm. yeah that thing that it, that 
is not quantifiable that is definitely fun to try to use finite words to describe um, an experience and a divine expression that is really wor wordless. It's it's one that's experienced. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, it makes me think of like Brene, Brene Brown when she talks about foreboding joy, right? Yes, I um, love... Th that's the reason that I cut my hair off. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was watching her Netflix special the night before I was supposed to get a trim, and she was talking about being in the arena of life as opposed to the bleachers, and that there will be pain, you will fail, like mm -hmm. you will have your heart broken. Blah right. blah 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 blah. And I was like, "Fuck this! I don't want to hide anymore. I'm going to cut off my hair," because um, that was my. That I was literally could hide. Yeah in front of my hair but the it, i i don't want to go off track it, it, <clears throat> the ability to or the willingness the openness to be able to receive that mm -hmm. as opposed to just pushing it off where it was like uh not nah, that's not uh-uh yeah, and I because did. Because the got, you, you did initially when you yeah, first heard that. I did the, it when I first when I first heard it. I was like, um, like the very first time I was like, all right, wild. Anyways, you know, I was just like, okay, cool. Yep, sure, nope. Like I just, I he, I felt like I just kept seeing. Now that I know in hindsight there were signs, but I just was like, nope. I'm just supposed to hate myself because it was easy. What were it was the what signs? I understood. I mean, it was just things. Like, I would be feeling really bad about myself, and then I'd see a commercial come on, and it would be like, you're beautiful, you're lovely, blah, 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 buy this thing. But I, I would see the, you're beautiful, you're lovely first. Or I would yeah. be, you know, somewhere out with my friends, and I would be feeling so bad about myself. And, like, a light, would, like a, like a light from, the, from the bar would beam on me. And, and, like, I would think of my grandmother, or I would be at lunch, and I would be like, I, you know, I shouldn't be eating this because I don't want to gain weight and I don't want to do X, Y, and Z thing because I'm not going to be desirable. And then someone would come up and say something kind about something I had on or say I had a nice smile. It was always these small things yeah. that literally happened at the exact moment that I was feeling bad that I just ignored because, I, because for me for the longest time, my own sadness and my own self-deprecation was so easy yeah. that I didn't want to let it go because there was this unknown. I was like, what else am I supposed to do? If I'm not sad and I'm not hurting and I'm not angry, then who am I going to be? Yeah. And it was literally just being like, <laughs> okay, well, you can't keep being this. Yeah. I got to a point where I was just like, I can't live like this. Yeah. It's not a life. Yeah. Because... For me, I was, it was every single day. I was just tearing myself apart and being so mean. And the only person... I did it in the, under the guise of like preparing myself for the world's reaction to me. Yeah. But I was literally hurting myself every single day. And literally, I was the only one being impacted by it. So I just... I had to stop. I had to figure out a way. And I still do. I think it's the work every single day. Yeah. But... I had to stop because otherwise I wouldn't have made it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and by that, do you mean suicidal ideation, yes. depression? Yeah. Yes, Got I mean you. suicidal ideation and depression. Yeah. I wouldn't have survived if I kept going the way that I was going because I was so desperate for some sort of like relief and I was so desperate to not be here on earth that I was like I'm ready to go because there's no there's nothing worthy about me being here people would be better off etc yeah, etc yeah, yeah but then you know thank goodness I got to a place where I realized that that's not the case yeah and that I'm better here and I'm better loving myself but I think if I had kept going the way I was going and ignoring all these signs I I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the, and that, that it, it, it makes me think of the, you know, like the quote unquote miracle within the miracle within the miracle, mm-hmm. right? Because you had to have the willingness with which to even recognize the signs. Yeah. You had to have the willingness to even not even seek out, but find them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and, to receive them in in whatever way you know and that to me I I, the whole entire process I think of being a human being or spiritual being in this meat suit you know (laughs) um, is is hella interesting and 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 glorious and exquisite and painful and and being alive is heartbreaking. Yeah. It's a heartbreaking experience. It is. It's a lot all at once, all the time. And though, I find at least, you know, my wife and I have this thing where I, we've given each other permission to break each other's hearts. Mm-hmm. And I also give myself permission to break my own heart. Yeah. You know, because um, I found that through my heart breaking, it just continually breaks open and allows more things to flow through. I love that. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> never thought of it that way. Because I let my heart break for years. Mm. But I was literally like, okay, now we have to put it back together. Ah. Um, so it was just like constant constantly me breaking my own heart and like tearing myself down and then realizing like you can't keep waiting for other people to pick up the pieces and put them together you have to do it yeah 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 no it's and and that to me at least there's that comes from a sense of worthiness of like I am actually worthy of getting to quote unquote pick up the pieces mm-hmm. you know and then also getting to question are any of these pieces even mine yeah you know um, there's that great saying we have so much to unlearn we do oh my gosh yes. that is so good there's so much like so- it's every day too yes there's something new every day that you have to unlearn which I think to me is 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 one of the beautiful tink 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 <laughs> tinctures of life I've never used that word in a sentence and I don't think I'm going to ever again <laughs> based upon this 
fact that it took me so long to pronounce it and I don't even know if I did it well regardless you guys can let me know um, <laughs> <laughs> you know but it's it's um I for me my because you you wrote about anxiety in the in the book and and invisible disabilities mm -hmm. you know and i have some i i am somebody that has suffered from um clinical depression and anxiety my whole life yeah though it wasn't labeled that as i was growing up yeah um it was just called being a tight ass um, or controlling. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what I've, what I found, you know, and, and I feel like part of the reason that I, I, I get to be here, like part of my purpose is going from a fear ship with death to a friendship mm -hmm. I'm terrified to die me too Te I'm like came to the right place so right. glad we get to have the conversation yes, not even noon <laughs> yes yes right right, right. let's start early why not let's go uh, let's go in but then it, 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 that and so for me now it's it's how is it that I get to consciously die on a daily basis in order that something new might live within me? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and for me, I, I consider, I have it tattooed on my back, to love is to die. Mm -hmm. Like. To be like, to love is to be, re, not reborn, but to love is to be renewed well the so willingness to, to die be from before yeah like the willingness to die the willingness to have one's heart break open to the point that i might be having a heart attack and i might actually be dying right now yeah you know like that physical symptom of that heartbreak but because if i'm afraid to die that means i'm also afraid to live yeah you know, and I don't desire to fear living and being alive or living a half-life. And so, like, that probably for the last two, well, God, time flies. For, like, the last, since around 2015, 2016, um, that major shift in my heart and my consciousness is, has, has taken me. And, and A, what is your biggest fear regarding death? Mm -hmm. And, and how does that, um, how does that morph with your faith? Um, I think my biggest fear is first, being the last to go because I think I mean I know for a fact like I'm going to have a terrible time when it is the people that I love's time to go mm. like I know for a fact I'm really going to 
struggle and it's going to hurt and it's like I mean genuinely not just like oh it's gonna hurt because it's gonna suck it's not gonna be here but I mean like genuinely yeah absolute breaking of who I am in the same way that it was when I lost my grandma my uncle so I know that my biggest fear is being the last to go so that I have to keep watching it happen to the people that I love Uh. but also I fear not being able to say all that I want to say before I go you know Hmm. so it's like my biggest fear is not the actual thing of dying but also it's the thing of first of all being left behind while I have to watch the people that I love die and not saying everything I want to say before I go because now I think the the reason that I'm sort of okay with the idea of dying is that Hopefully, I believe that when I do, I'll get to see my grandma and my uncle again. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Now, before that, I'd have been like, I don't want to die at all, period. I don't want to die I can't. Don't ask me to. I'm just going to live forever. Yeah. But now it's like, at least I'll be able to see them. Yeah. But I also need, like, I need to not be the first. I need to not be the last, but I need to not be the first. <laughs> you know, I got I to gotta be somewhere in that middle. Yeah. Like... I already told my mom, I was like, listen, when you go, I'm going to go because I don't want to, I don't want to live without her either. So mm-hmm. it's like those things. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's wow. I'm going to let that settle for a second. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that I, hmm, it's, I mean, fuck, I love your book so much. Thank you. Because it, because sitting here letting it settle, what it makes me think of is the passage, and this really, this touched me a lot when you were talking about the, the privilege that you had of getting to have a family that, um, loved you and supported you and mm-hmm. were there for you. Yeah. And I I say a thank you for for putting it in those terms. Cuz it absolutely is. <clears throat> Not everybody has that. Not everybody yeah. will. And I don't have a lot of privileges, but I do believe that that is one of them. Yeah. To have both a chosen family and a biological family that loves me. To be loved yeah. by people even when I didn't love myself. Yeah. Um, I think it was the greatest gift I could have asked for because people talk so much about how you should love yourself first. Mm-hmm. And you can't. You can't. Right. It's impossible. Literally impossible. But I, because there is, I think I talk about it in the book, there's a RuPaul quote where he says, How are you going to love somebody if you can't love yourself? But it's like, love shouldn't be conditional in that way. Yeah. In order for me to love myself, I had to be loved by people first. Yes, 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 yes. And, and, um, the also having the ability to receive said love. Yeah, you know where because that took a while too. Yeah, and it's the the only way that I get to learn about myself is through my relationship with others. Mm-hmm. You know, the only way that I get to learn love is is through that experience. Yes. It, it can't be, it's impossible to have that experience be done in a vacuum. Actually, I don't want to say that because I, 
I know that there are a few people that have had um, spiritual experiences that have been alone in a cabin in the woods and like whatever. And so I don't want to be like, because there is that also direct experience I feel with spirit, universe, God, goddess, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. that can occur. Yeah. Um, But then the demonstration of that love and the continual expansion of that, I feel um, always has to happen with others. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like love is love is too expansive, too important to be just a singular experience. Yes. So I feel like it's better when you're sharing it with somebody else or a group of people and you're aware of the way that you can love other people, but also how you can be received and loved back. It it makes somebody had once said, you know, like thinking of love as the setting. That it's, it's not um, like love is there, yeah. Whether we receive it or not, whether we're open to it or not, like love is always accessible, right? Um, and I believe that it's yeah, yeah. I believe that. I think it's about where you're looking. Yes. Um, and we do have these rigid ideas about who who can love us and who who we can give love to yeah but if you let go of that in total i think there's literally love all around us there's love in this room there's love at every moment it's just about us tapping into it and recognizing where it is just like signs and so what is love for you love for me is honesty Mm -hmm. love for me is like my love language is um, verbal affirmation. Okay. So love for me is verbal affirmation, but love for me is also just being able to sit with my friends or my family. You know, I have my head in their laps and we're watching TV. Love is support. Love is kindness, but love is also being able to give somebody the hard truth, being able to tell them something they might not necessarily want to hear, but need to hear. Love for me is so much about absolutely being the person who somebody can go to for an honest answer. Yes. And I feel like I love somebody deeply when I can be like, hey, maybe you should take a step back. Yeah. Maybe you should rethink saying that. Maybe you should listen and learn to people, learn with people instead of assuming that you're always right. Yeah. So for me, love is absolutely about being able to be my full self with people, but also being able to lift them up and give them the honest truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And love is also cheesecake. <laughs> what? A, are you a frequenter of the Cheesecake Factory? Yes. Yes. We're mutuals on Twitter, me and the Cheesecake Factory. I love them so much. Um, I love the Cheesecake Factory. I mean, I don't live close enough to one, so whenever I go out, it's a treat. But you know, there's Cheesecake Factory in Los Angeles at the Grove, right? And there's a few, there's <gasps> a few, but there's definitely one at the Grove. Oh my gosh, um, yeah, I love the Cheesecake Factory, but I also feel like, um, I, don't, I think love is so powerful in that way is that it's so many things, and it's not just like, hey, I love you now, but it's like, 
hey, I'm going to love you through things. Yes. I think it's about that, too, because people change and grow, and we go through hard, can I curse? Of course you can. We go through hard shit, and you need people to love you through it. Yeah. And not just abandon you when times yes. get tough. Yes, yes. But also to call you out when you need it. Yes. It's both of those things. Yes, yes, yes. Um. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, and, and a call... A, a call in slash call out with love right where it's centered upon not doing this i just had an experience literally yesterday Mm -hmm. with a friend of mine who i've known since 2014 2015 and there we were at dinner together the month before and i had mentioned something and she looked at her watch and she was like Yep, only took you blah, 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 because I mentioned death. And she mm-hmm. was like, it only took you an hour and a half to bring up death. Uh-huh. And she she definitely didn't say it in in the way that I'm doing it now. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it stung. Yeah. It stung, and it stung in a way that I, it took me a month to get very clear on. Yeah. Because those... It's the small stuff. It's it's the small stuff that has the biggest impact, it right? Is. Like a paper t- cut. Fuck. It hurts. It hurts oh, bad. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. Um and and so it felt like an emotional paper cut that I really had to sit with and going through the whole entire process of, well, don't take it personally. It wasn't ba 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 ba. Yeah. Um but then also being able get, to be like, this is my feeling and it's valid. Yes. And, and getting to listen to what it is truthfully, right? Yeah. Where it's, I never desire to make anyone else responsible for my feelings. Yeah. You know, like my feelings are my own and how I choose to respond or... Um, There's a word that I'm looking for, champion, you know, said feelings. And we got to have this beautiful conversation. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, I was like, I before we, we we were doing some a project together, and I was like, before we start, I, I just want to bring this up. And because for me in my head, it was also, well, like not everybody's comfortable talking about death and blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. And maybe yeah. she didn't. And but da, 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 Like love for me is the willingness to feel safe enough to feel unsafe. Yes. In a moment. Right. Where risking the, ri- the emotional risk the very real life risk that comes from being honest with love with a friend yes or a family member or a stranger right because there is always a risk to it always always a risk and and not everybody is willing to take that risk yeah you know so it's and and i was in that camp for a very long time where I would suffer in silence and I would get resentful or I would, it was either resentful at the other person or resentful itself and then have that internal beat down of take things too personally. What's wrong with you? Stop being so selfish. Stop being so selfish. Just like get over it. Like, 
Um, but it still creates those um, walls. It does. You know, and so what is it? What has your experience then been, like, especially now, you know, um, and I've got to say, side note, like, does getting to watch your growth, like getting to watch where you were mm-hmm. when I, I, I first had the, the pleasure and privilege of, of getting to discover you on Twitter to now. Yeah, it's, it's is, been a ride. It is it it's the most beautiful thing thank you it's so incredible and and it it just it it makes me feel such incredible like deep respect like deep respect like like just deep love getting to because you're doing the work. Yeah. You're in it. I'm trying. You were in it and you were consistently honest. You were consistent. There we go. There we go. It's the <laughs> daily Mike Eat. Um, this is what, and this is what happens when I get excited. I like forget there are things in my face. Um, <laughs> like, woo. Um, but no, just it. And Twitter's a, Twitter is a cesspool it is a toxic cesspool of nonsense and you're one of those very big bright lights and just getting to watch that light continually expand to this and this is only the start and the beginning Mm -hmm. you know a are they having you on ellen no i haven't heard anything okay all right okay listen (laughs) i mean i just universe get on this thank you like yes, that would be fun thank just you. speak that into existence yeah i mean i've heard nothing yet i would love that still but um nothing yet i think for me it's like twitter's a cesspool but there are so many there are also so many good things about it and i think that's why we all keep going back because you meet people like yes. you and you meet people who feel the same way as you but also offer different viewpoints and so you see an overarching view of a world that you might not have seen otherwise and Twitter in many ways has allowed me to completely share my voice with others and be confident in the fact that me being vulnerable like hey I'm having a bad day or I just feel really bad can I have like some compliments to be able to say that I think I was only allowed to do because in part I found an audience through Twitter who really cared about the things that I had to say. Yeah. And it's frustrating because there's still so much wrong with Twitter, but in that way it's given me that gift to be able to be vulnerable enough and confident enough in my own thoughts, in my own hopes and dreams to be able to write the pretty one. Yeah. To be able to feel like I am also the pretty one. Yes. So it's, it's like, it's a double-edged sword in that way where it's just both of those things. And how are you, because I, and, and this is just for me, I find that when I go onto Twitter sometimes, it's, I'm going into like a universe 
Mm-hmm. It's like the universe of Twitter. And there can be like a, not necessarily a loss of self, but just getting sucked into the stream of all scrolls of and hashtags and things. And I mean, the world is on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And at all times. And, and so how were you able to maintain that balance of, because you're it's one of the reasons that I, I love getting to follow you and engage with you is, is that you, you know how to utilize Twitter without also losing a sense of self. Mm-hmm. You, like, I mean, I, I think a lot of that is just, I use Twitter. I operate using Twitter as I'm just saying what I need to say. Yeah. And like, nobody's going to read it. I mean, people do, but I, I, the reason that I'm able to keep a sense of self is because I treat my Twitter like, only five people are reading it and not tens of thousands of people reading it because okay. when you think too much and this is about anything creative when you think yeah. too much about your audience yeah that's when you lose yourself yeah and so i'm not trying and to, your audience and your audience so i'm not trying to please a subset of people i'm just yeah. trying to make sure that i'm good and that i'm happy with what i'm doing both in the book and on twitter and on instagram etc etc et and, and, and i guess like that's the thing that it seems like and and i haven't found the only solution that I found is to log off. Um, like it takes, it takes some kind of emotional bandwidth to write a book. Yeah. Like it takes, it's, (laughs) it's, it's an exercise and marathon of, of, it's hard. It is hard. It's difficult. I wish people knew how hard it actually is. Sometimes people don't think that, like, you know, getting it done is hard. But it's it's, it's hard work, no matter what it is. It could be a book about comedy. Hard work. Yes, and 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 especially one that that, that is so intimate, mm-hmm. you know. And and so I guess that was that was more of the. How were you able to save enough of self for this? And still be prolific on Twitter? And and still, yes, do Um, that as well. Well, I mean, in any ways, I wrote the book for... (laughs) I wrote the book for my 12-year-old self. That girl who was really struggling and, and would have loved a book like that to be able to get through those years I wrote it for myself I said hey girl I'm gonna write the book you needed so maybe somebody else will need it too so I wrote it like I was talking to one of my close friends and like I was talking to myself and and giving myself the love now that I didn't give myself then so that's how I was able to do it was simply because I wasn't thinking about audience I wasn't thinking about hey are people gonna like this I hope they like it I was like hey do you like it is this the thing that you need tell yourself Tell the world what you need to tell yourself. And that's how I wrote it. It was just me being like, hey, girl, this is about us. And I'm going to be as honest as possible because that's the only way to tell the full arching story of my life. I didn't want to leave anything out or do anything where I felt like I was sugarcoating my reality. Yeah. So I couldn't think about other people in order to do that. I had to think about me. Well, well, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And and I guess it's the... the, 
you and I have have very it's it's similar in one way and very different in another Mm -hmm. and I found that when I was writing I would become so emotionally exhausted just based upon what I was having to put on that page you know and so when you talk about good um (laughs) when you talk about the the 12 year old girl you know a was that a i don't think that this gets talked about enough and i feel part of the reason is at least for me i get to see in the second in my own mind is that like that label of quote-unquote crazy Mm -hmm. you know but it's the the five year old, ten year old, twelve year old, fifteen year old, twenty five year like all all the, all yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Like all there. All there all the time. All the time. They never leave you. You just grow with them. And so with that then, it did you encounter any resistance? Oh absolutely. And and within that, how how did I push past it? Yeah, and what was the dialogue? And what was the experience of getting to meet that 12-year-old girl and be like, hey, all is well now. Right. Like, we're going to tell this story together. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what do you feel that you got to have... Um, like a new experience and embrace yeah with that kid yeah i mean um i like me now too is one of the tougher essays in the book it wasn't yeah. the toughest one to write yeah um actually the toughest one to write was the one that i wrote about my friends and family who that was a doozy and it was worse to do like the audiobook of because i wept i mean like ugly crying blotchy red face um but for me with i like me now too the first line of the first line of it was is um i think it's when i was is it when i was 15 i wanted to die or i wanted to die when i was 15 i want to make sure i get the line right because it's important for this part of the okay you got it hold on I wanted to die. Okay. Yeah. So the very first line of the of the essay is I wanted to die. And in order for me to talk about how how badly I wanted to die and be as detailed about it as possible without hopefully it being triggering to other people in that place yeah. was me sitting down and being like Hey twelve year old Kia, let's check in. Yeah. We're we're twenty seven now. Here are the things that have happened to us. And we're not that we're not in those same spaces. We're not in those um, in that school cafeteria where that kid made fun of you. We're not. Yeah. We're not. You know, sad anymore. We love ourselves. Can you believe it? So it was literally just me talking. It was like in my room, talking out loud to my twelve-year-old self, saying, "Hey, I want to tell this story because I think it can help people, and I think it can help us. Yeah. And this is." a love letter to you and so in order for me to literally write it I was like this is a love letter to you 
my 12 year old self and this is in service to you so that we can grow together yeah and um even in the tough spots of the book like i said which was um really the the essay about my friends and family i would stop and listen to um paramore and i would read ashley c ford's work and i would just cry yeah because it is a very emotionally exhausting experience to write a book and it's very isolating yeah and you're very much with yourself on your computer or you know out by hand because i guess some people do that i don't i can't it's too much um but it's a very isolating experience and so you have to reconcile with your past as much as you do with your present yes but also use those two things to propel you to your future and understand that even if it's hard getting to the end you can impact at least one other person and that will be good enough yeah and so it was literally just me being like hey girl so i know that this is hard for us but we could end up helping so many people and that's how we need, and that's why we need to tell this story specifically, because I didn't want people to think, okay, so she's talking about how great her life is now and how, you know, she went through these things when she was a child and, and she's better now. And it's like, no, this isn't a happy, this isn't a happy ending tied up nice with a bow. It yeah. is a happy ending though. I want to be clear about that because disabled people don't often get to see happy endings. So I wanted to show not only disabled people but people who are othered in any other way that. We, we deserve to be happy, too. There's yes. the other side to the depression and to the sadness and to the willingness and eagerness to be removed from the earth just because the society that you live in doesn't see you as worthy. Yes. Once you do. Yes. It's a game changer. It's a game changer once you do. All bets are off. Just all bets are off. You're just a... you it's something in you shifts yeah and you realize this should have been you all along but you don't guilt yourself into those i don't i don't allow myself to be angry at the person i was for who i was yes because i think i couldn't have been where i am today without being that person first yes yeah yes 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 (laughs) yes i mean this these this is why i love getting to do this podcast it's it's conversations like these Mm -hmm. you know where like for real it's it's you know um I'm of the, like, I have to experience one in order to experience the other and Mm -hmm. then to get to make that choice. Right. You know, um, and, and it, it's, it's so incredible and for, for anybody to get that to to get that gift and to have that understanding and to to know it for the gift it is mm-hmm. and to utilize that to move forward yeah you know i mean there are people in their 40s and 50s and 60s that still don't get it yeah you know are still holding on to the pain are still holding on to the trauma are still holding on to the um there's a self-indulgent Vic, there's there is comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is comfort because there's familiarity in it. Yeah, well. exactly. So you you gravitate toward what's most familiar, and that's why it's so easy to get stuck in that because joy is uh, joy is so unknown. 
Yeah. And joy is the place you have to leap to it. Yes. You can't just stumble upon it. You have to leap to it. And that leap is scary because you don't know where you land. There's no... Or if you're going to land. Or if you're going to land, there's no safety net. There's no guarantee that it's forever. There's no guarantee that it's, you know, longer than a moment. But you have to take that... That step. Yes. Well, it's that continual thing of worthiness, right? Yeah. Where it's, it's okay, it's I've effort. learned that I'm, I'm worthy enough of this. Mm-hmm. Now what? But now, I I can't, dare I? Yeah. No. No, 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 <laughs> no. No, 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 no. Because that, what is that? What does that mean? And what I've recognized, at least for me, it, and that's the heartbreak and the willingness to have my own heartbreak mm-hmm. and to break my own heart is that if I am accepting the joy and I am accepting the the gifts and the bounty, mm-hmm. then you have to accept the rest of it too. No. No? Then that means that I also then have to experience the grief of all of the time, not that I wasted, but... But that there, you can't get back. Yes, and so there's a, oh, honey, you've spent such a long time playing small and being so small, and now, and and, and there, there is this embrace that, that I find happens that, that when I'm willing to experience that and mm-hmm. take responsibility there it is for um, for the the actions that I didn't take because I didn't know I didn't know until I knew right um and then now where am I going to go with it right. it's and you know, I feel the word grace has been bastardized, mm-hmm. but that the simple thing of grace is, is a gift that is unearned and just freely given. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a tremendous amount of grace in the ability to embrace the past self and the growth and the forgiveness right because that i think that's so important i had to i had to forgive myself because i was so angry at first i was like we wasted all that time we're never going to get it back yes all that time you spent looking at pictures and saying no you're not good enough this is wrong you Mm -hmm. look bad you can look at them now and say you looked fantastic yes you didn't know it then yes and so it really was for me about forgiving myself for who i was and i think in part of that that's I was so desperate with this book to be like, I'm sorry for being so hard on you, for being exactly who you were, and that was because of the circumstances in which you lived. And that's totally okay. Yes. So for me it was just like I can't be who I am yeah. without forgiving who I was. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And For me, I feel it's it's always just that uh, the forgiveness of simply not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no the, idea. The, the conditions that I put on self for what I think I should be, what I think I should know, mm-hmm. who I think I should be, 
all of the stuff. All of it. Um, you know, like, I'm not going to get angry at a two-year-old that doesn't know how to tie their shoe. Right. Right. And it really is about not getting angry at, at, at who you were. Because you didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. And, 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 and the, the, the point of meeting, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, and that to me is like what makes life worthwhile. That to me is why I feel stories like yours are important. That's why I feel conversations like these are important. Mm -hmm. You know, where none of us is alone. Yeah. We all have the experience of pain. We all have the experience of joy. We all have the experience of self-condemnation. You know, we we all have these opportunities for growth. And <clears throat> getting to share that experience with others, not mm -hmm. in a not in that I found the solution, you but, know, which I yeah. love that you also continually talk about that. Like you are just one voice yep. of many, you mm -hmm. know, because um, I didn't want anybody to be able to say, oh, she's trying to tell us how to do it. Or she's trying to tell us what to do or how everybody in one community feels like, no, I just want to tell you how I feel. Yeah. Because I'm not going to try to speak for a whole community of people. I wouldn't even want to try. Yeah. So for me, it was it was very I was very adamant at the idea that like, this is my story. Yeah. This one person, Kia Brown. Yes. This is hers. Yes. This isn't anybody else's. Yes. Nobody can take it away from me. Nobody can try to tell me what it is and isn't. It is mine. This is what I'm telling you. It is, and this is what it actually is. And so my question to you is this: as we as we get to wrap up here. What has your experience been? A, th this came out on August 6th. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you have Roxanne Gay just on the cover saying, quote unquote, through her words, we see that Brown is not just the pretty one. She is the magnificently human one. Oh, my God. I have to try not to cry every time I read it because to... To have people like Roxanne and Esme and Deepak Chopra and even Lena to to tell me that this book is worthwhile. I mean, I knew that it was. Yeah. But there's something so good about validation from people that you admire, from people that you respect. Yes. And for them to be able to see, you know, something in the book and to see what I was trying to do. Yeah. For them to get that, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, for you to get it is huge. We talked about this. It meant yeah. so much to me. She was so kind about my book and um, on Twitter. And it meant the world to me. Because you write something and you're like, I hope somebody gets it. Somebody somewhere at some point. But the fact that there are people that you absolutely respect and admire and care for who really get it and really understand that it's necessary not only just to you yeah. because it's yours but yeah. to the world at large it's huge yeah i mean it's literally the the best response i could have asked for is to have people like you guys literally champion me in a way that you don't necessarily expect people outside of like familial obligation to care mm -hmm. for you so yeah i mean it's it's been a trip it's been a fantastic week and a half 
And are you able to receive it as, now I am. as much as one can? Yeah, I mean, now I am. I'm struggling a little bit still because um, yesterday, yesterday I did an um, event with Film to Future, and it's these high school kids who are so amazing. And they read the book, and I was signing their books, and then when the event was over, my manager, Rachel, was like, hey, do you want to take these... Um, markers for tomorrow i was like for what and she's like so that when you go to your other event people can sign them and i'm like you think they'll want me to sign the book and literally jen rachel and tina were like (laughs) in unison they were like people like your book kia so like okay like they like your book they would want you to sign it sort of thing and and for me it's just I know that when people say they like my book, they mean it because you don't have to tell somebody you like their book. Yeah. Nobody is being forced to tell me that they like it. Um, so it's just about me trying to figure out how to accept the fact that like it's not a thing that I have to wonder anymore. Yeah. That it's a reality. It's happening. And trying to like let hold it sink space. in and hold space for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I I'm I'm grateful on that note that we've gotten to share space yes. together today. Yes. And can I just say it? Can I just get please, this out of please Can I just it. get this out of the way? Please. Okay. Yeah. Princess Diaries 1 and 2 changed the game. I loved those movies so much. And so when we initially started following each other on Twitter, I was like, "Oh my god. Oh my god." Like Lily is following me. Like, oh my God. And then I got to know you, Heather, the person. And I was like, she's brilliant. She's amazing. Like, she, outside of this character that I grew up loving, is this person that I want to get to know and this person that I want to be and share space with, like hold space with and have conversations like these. And so for it to be a full circle thing, where not only do I love your character and I love these movies, I also get to love you too as who you are, the person. And so I just had to bring that up because... Heather, you know how much I love Prince. I, I bring it up all the time to her. I'm like, hey, so remember when you did Princess Diaries? Remember that? Remember when you were Lily? Like, oh my gosh. So yeah, I just had to say that. Like, I had to close with that. It's just like, I love you so much. And I'm so glad that we were able to hold this space and have this conversation. But also for you to be who you are. And like, the work that you do is so, it means so much to me. Because as both a fan and a friend of yours, mm-hmm. it's twofold. It's it's magic. It's truly a light in the world. I truly believe it. Uh, I receive that. I say thank you. You're welcome. Um, for real. And I'm also grateful that you don't hound me about Princess Diaries three. I won't. I won't. Again, I won't. When when I know, everyone else will know. <laughs> um, all right. Listen, peeps. Kia Brown, the pretty one, like buy it please read it please um where can people follow you um i'm on twitter and instagram at kia k-e-a-h underscore maria m-a-r-i-a i'm on facebook at the kia brown and my website is kiabrown.com um thank you so much Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. Thank you for having you. me. This was so much fun. Yay! I love like the deep, real conversations, and I'm so glad that like not only do I get to listen to you talk to other people, yeah, but I get to be on your show. Like huge. Will you come back? Absolutely. Woohoo! For the next book. Yes. 
Oh, yes. Or when you're um, working with Shondaland oh my God. in one of those writer's rooms. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I'll come back for whatever. Okay. I'll come back just to talk about pizza. All right. I, and we can have... Uh, next time Next time you're in L.A. Yes. And you come on, we will have pizza. <gasps> and we will sit and eat and talk and all will be well. Perfect. All right. I'm in. I'm down. Till next week, guys. Thank you. Bye. Oh, my goodness. We did it. We did it. Thank you. That was so much fun. That was, that was an awesome.